everybody to Clueless Vino, the show where we use wine as a vehicle for conversation. It's the only place you can drink and drive. Today, I got a special guest, man. This is my guy from all the way back in school. Tommy, what's up, man? Sitting here hanging out, ready to chat. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm excited about this one because like, I like, you know, first of all, I like catching up with like old friends, but mm-hmm. also I like to learn and like I'm super interested in like what you do because right now you got this very Indiana Jones look right now. <laughs> so I need to know what type of tombs you to like exhume. You know, I need to know all that. All right. That's going to be fun, man. Um, so this is the part where I let the guests, you know, kind of introduce themselves and let them, you know, let the guests, let the people know about yourself. So floor is yours, man. Well, my name is Tommy Dallas. Known Brandon since she third grade yeah we go go way back all the way to the elementary days uh up until today as he said indiana jones thing going on i'm an archaeologist so all these books are about here nice just all my my happy little nerd my little nerd den here yeah which i enjoy <laughs> um bring home little bits of the road with me to talk about oh. all the places i've been to that's worked in Amazing. All the collection of fun books and stuff to pick up. Um, been doing archaeology for eight years now. Um, just a busy, busy job. It takes me everywhere, which I really enjoy. So there's a lot to talk about. The places I've seen a whole lot of America, if you want to ask about that. Uh, you know, been, been to faraway places like Puerto Rico, which, you know, for me, that's far away because... It's hard to get out of the country for some folks, so that might be far for some people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just enjoying the adventure of life because you know, if you don't, you know, pursue fun things, you're not gonna experience fun things. So that's kind of the whole the whole drive behind it is to just pursue what makes you happy. Yeah. And oh man, first of all, that whole wall looks amazing. Like all the stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you play still play video games, whatever, but you you've uh you got a very Tomb Raider, Uncharted type of thing going on, like just all types of trinkets, yeah. from all your adventures and stuff. That's dope. I think um, it definitely comes from like an ins- you know an inspiration not only from my grandpa who was a doctor who he collected things from his travels around the world, uh, but also you know something that my wife helped rekindle in me during quarantine during the pandemic was we watched a whole bunch of our favorite childhood movies and one of them was like Atlantis or uh, um uh treasure uh treasure planet stuff like that you know like old school victorian steampunk stuff so yeah. it's got kind of like a little indiana jones player kind of like a you know 
19th century explorer vibe you know definitely like a Lara Croft Tomb Raider vibe with all like little knickknacks and artifacts and things that you can just like oh pick it up what the hell is this tell me about this type stuff yeah so it's I just like you know, make a den that makes you feel comfortable that's that's what it's all about I like that man that's that's super <laughs> dope. that's super dope um speaking of which and I'm gonna ask about the trip to Puerto Rico you know as we as we get along but yeah you were so dope you know you got you got some rum from 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 your last trip and you actually got me one man and i told you you didn't have to but like you know after after i do that once you offer it again i was like okay <laughs> oh yeah yeah i love people to to get not just you know words you know descriptors about the places that i go but you know the flavors the yeah. scent you know, the smells the sights the scents all of it yeah. all the good stuff and rum is a key thing when you're talking about puerto rico <laughs> so we have today and I'm going to let you pronounce it because I'm not even going to pretend. I'm not going to butcher this. <laughs> what, what do we have today? We have Ron del Barito. Okay. Which Ron is how you say rum in Spanish. Okay. So it's rum of the little barrel. So Barito is, it's little barrel. Okay. So it's, you know, like a little tiny, little tiny keg, like the ones you would see on like a St. Bernard in like Europe or something. Gotcha. It's got like whiskey or whatever, something in an ale, maybe. Kind of the same same idea of that like a little barrel of of uh of liquor, and it is good stuff, man. It's the best one on the island that I've ever had. Well, we're definitely it's about the, to have some of that. This is the tres estrellas, the three stars. So it's one of their higher higher line ones. Nice. Um, now you did a cocktail with yours. What what did I you did. make yours with? I just did a little quick mojito. Just I got okay. some mint growing in the backyard and picked up some limes at the store the other day and just threw together a quick little little mojito. Nice. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go start off with on ice first and then I'm gonna after that we'll probably go straight from there. Oh, this one's great for sipping. I mean, they they describe it as a sipping a sipping rum. You know, you just it's hot down there, so yeah. you don't gotta put it down fast. You just enjoy it nice and cold. Put one cube in it. And, I like that. Just let that hot day just go away. You just relax and sit with your little glass of rum. <laughs> I like that, man. All right, man. So cheers, man. Salud. <laughs> oh, that is good. It's so that's, that's really good. It's very, very smooth. Right. Like, you know, like most rums, I feel like you get like that burning sensation like instantly. But mm -hmm. this one is like smooth going down but then like it's that you don't have that you know what i'm saying oh yeah That's a lot of a lot of american rums like you know the captain morgan's and the yeah. kraken and stuff they just load it down with spices to, to mask the flavor of it not being a good rum yeah this stuff is it's this company's been in business since the 1880s they've been doing it for you know almost a century and a half now a century and a quarter Jeez. so that is it, that they is, got it down it's, that is really it's good, good. Mm. <laughs> all right that's wow i gotta go to work tomorrow <laughs> um all right let's take it back to all the way back to school man sure. so there are a lot of things i remember about our like i don't even remember how we became friends but i just remembered i remember the bus vividly like we rode the bus together mm -hmm. like pretty much all throughout school until like you know obviously cars and stuff yep um we would always sit together and we would just always chat. Like you were the first person to be to like 
like I wasn't like a big football guy, but you were gonna let me know about every Philadelphia Eagle thing that you could possibly tell me. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just yeah. and I was like, all right, let me learn what this what this Eagle stuff is, man. Cause like he's really passionate. And then it went to the Philadelphia Flyers, and then it went to the Philadelphia Phillies. I was like, and then I was like, I was like, do you like the 76ers? And I feel like you didn't, but like it was Philly, so it was like, you know. So they were on my radar. I was more of a Chicago Bulls fan growing up in the 90s. Sure. Jordan, Pippen, yeah. all those guys. That was the one the one team that I went away from Philly for. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I ever asked, what was the love for Philly? Where did that come from? That's where my dad grew up. He grew up just west of town. So he raised us to be all, all Philadelphia fans and gave us the curse. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's hold up, hold up now. How many? All right, let's see. So, third grade, we were in what year is that? That's 1998. 98. Okay. So, how many championships has Philly got since then? Flyers have gotten a few, right? No, not since the 70s. Really? Well, it's been a long time. I feel like they've, all, but oh. they've been a good team, a quality team for years. Yeah. They just haven't gotten that, that Stanley Cup. The Eagles just got their first technical Super Bowl. They got, you know, NFL championships prior to the Super Bowl era, which every Philly fan will have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> we still have championships, man. They still count. Yeah. Type, yeah. type argument. But uh, they got their first one. They beat the Pats a couple years ago. Um, yep. And the Phillies. The Phillies had theirs in 08, which that had me running laps around my house, excited, celebrating. Was that the – was that Jimmy Rollinson now? Oh, yeah. Rollins. That was, that was Shane Victorino, the Flying yeah. Hawaiian, Chase Utley. Mm-hmm. All those good guys. They had a good lineup then. Whenever I whenever I see like a Philly team, I'm like, oh, yeah. That reminds me of Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, you know, we grew up or whatever. And, you know, we we had, an, we had nicknames. People would call us Tree and Stump. That was our mm-hmm. connected, you know, connected group. Um yeah, I just I just remember us being on the bus. I remember us, you know, just chit chatting away. But like, we never like got deep into like what our you know goals were and stuff like that. So as far as archaeology goes, was that something that you always wanted to do, or was that something you picked up later? I think it was always something I wanted to do. You know, growing up, um, watching the uh, the History Channel Leonard Nimoy programs, mm. I was always fascinated by it. I think it was uh, History's Mysteries with Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy played Spock in in Star Trek. Yeah. Um, he uh, those shows definitely inspired me, but also my grandpa too. Because right before I moved to the shore and met you, you know, I was still in that was right in the middle of third grade when we moved there. Yeah. Um, when I was living in Richmond, we were living with my grandparents first, and my grandpa, who's the doctor, you know, he was a child psychologist. He had you know subscriptions to all these science magazines, Nat Geo, Scientific American, all that stuff. And he would just, you know, hand me a, as a little kid, like, here, read this article. I'm going to ask you about it later. Yeah. And just read about science stuff. We'd watch, you know, archaeology programs with them all the time. So he just instilled a love of science in me and a love of history. Yeah. And that on my on my dad's side, too, we have this old book, which actually the desk that you're sitting on right now is my great grandfather's on his side. So this desk is probably like going to be 100 years old in like a decade or two. Damn. So family history but then i keep this is our uh my dad's side family history goes back to the 1640s in america um our ancestor came over as an indentured servant to the massachusetts bay colony 
and they, they have, we have all that written down in a book so we can talk about that as a family and whatnot just growing up in that that type of environment of the strength of science and history and family history and all that stuff yeah you know it just instilled that there's so much to learn about about someone's past about your own past or anybody else's past that we could all be connected to yeah. and just wanting to learn more about all of it in general you know pursued a career in archaeology yeah. now obviously i feel like you have to go to college for that so do you where did you go end up going bradford university old rad town not the radford man I yeah don't Rapids, though. Of course, they got a really good basketball program there too. They're yeah. They're uh, one of my old assistant coaches coached there for a little bit. Oh, excellent! Yeah, and baseball too. Really good baseball team. Nice. So you did Radford, and then what's the? You know how like when you get out of college, right? It's for most people like it's it's hard to jump right into the field that you want, depending on what you are. Like I was an English major. I want to write books. That's my thing. But it's like, there's really no super entry unless I were to go like do a publishing company or something like that, right? Um, what's the difficulty of jumping right into archaeology? Do Is it like an entry level type thing or how does that work? Um, I mean, anybody coming fresh out of college has no experience. Mm-hmm. They've been learning and learning and learning, but then they're about to really start learning. Yeah. Once they hit that job market. Yeah. And uh, I came in at a good time. Um, you know, it was eight years ago. I, you know, I was, I'd done five years of community college first, mm-hmm. you know, as we called it, paid, paid for my, my Kmart credits, got those nice and cheap. And then just did two years at university mm-hmm. at Radford. And, you know, from there, it was just all anthropology courses because mm-hmm. in America, we have archaeology is a part of anthropological sciences, right? Just studying humans, studying people. Mm-hmm. We just study the, the ancient part of it was the rest of anthropology does cultural biological anthropology all that stuff we study the dead people because we like our people dead it's easier to talk to yeah <laughs> <laughs> them in the, in the trash they leave behind is what we like and uh but you know you, you learn all that through through university and you're going to come into a whole different world once you start digging holes for a living you know it's what we call uh shovel bumming is what we call my profession as a CRM archaeologist. CRM is cultural resource management. Okay. So, and what the majority of the job of that is, is uh, it's doing environmental studies for, for construction, you know, for doing things for like department of transportation when they put in roads, mm-hmm. um, when they put in, you know, housing developments, all that stuff. I learned all this on, on the way is, this is what we're surveying for, you know, yeah. And there's projects for this going on all the time. And you got to figure out who's hiring for that type of stuff. So gotcha. it's a, such a small market because there's there's only 10,000 CRM archaeologists in the entire country. It's a very small uh, uh, group of employment, you know, very small culture. Yeah. And uh, trying to figure out how to get into that, you know, there's only two, there's only two websites on the internet that show job listings for it. So having to find those as a kid coming out of college you know it's you're going to find out in the circles if you have the right connections but then just like any other business from there it's networking into other companies things like that and all these companies are bidding for projects you know bidding for dot bidding for pipelines bidding for transmission lines that we're going to survey for Mm -hmm. to make sure they're not destroying uh cultural resources native american sites historic colonial sites slave cabins all kinds of stuff you know i've done all of that all of those things and more 
yeah. excavated those, learned about those, found those things. There's, there's just, I got a decade behind me and it's just about just shy of a decade. So, I mean, I've, I've experienced some pretty eye-opening things about, you know, American history in general and Native American history in general. So kind of walk me through the process because what I'm hearing is basically a company will basically hire you guys to make sure that they ain't messing with something that has historical like impact. Like you're not destroying something that has historical um, importance to the country or whatever yeah. in that area or whatever. So just kind of walk me through the process of how that works. Like, you know, from getting the job to going through the excavation and then, you know, reporting back the results that you guys get. So usually with that stuff, um, it's any, any project that has federal dollars behind it. Mm. So, uh, say a military base wants to add on to, to their military base, they want to do, do construction that's being paid for with federal dollars with taxpayer dollars. DOTs use federal dollars for highways, interstates, roads all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all set up through what we call Section 106, which was uh, laws, a whole series of laws that were passed between uh, Lyndon Johnson's administration, Richard Nixon's administration through the 70s, mm -hmm. reinforcing things like Antiquities Acts, the National Historic Preservation Act. Things like that that require survey for archaeological resources, right alongside survey for uh, biological resources like bats, you know, endangered species of bats, endangered plants, endangered wetlands, things like that. We're all tied into the same environmental type of survey that's required by federal law. Um, so when these things are getting built, like what I'm working on in, in Puerto Rico is Army Corps stuff. That's all federal dollars because where they were devastated by Hurricane Maria. They're getting a whole bunch of infrastructure. They're getting canals, they're getting right. uh, power lines put in, all kinds of stuff. And we're gonna survey before that because federal law requires it. And also they're a, a US territory. You know, we, we own them part of our old imperialistic days from the 19th century. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, these, these projects will be shown up and companies will bid on it for how much they can pay for it. You know, so that keeps, kind of it keeps the prices low for whatever they can afford to bid right and they'll hire they'll just put out job calls blanket job calls trying to get people in because most most of the businesses they're we're not full-time employees we're part-time employees that we as i said earlier shovel bones we jump from company to company to company mm -hmm. whoever has work project 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 and they'll post these as they come along throughout the year and where there's only 10,000 of us, you know, every single one of us is throwing our resumes, our CVs, right. all at the same, the same job. So yeah. we're all working together from project to project. Everybody knows everybody in this business. Yeah. You know, it's like that old Eastern Shore scene where we grew up, you know, everybody knows what you did before you even did it. Uh -huh. it it's that small of a, of a community here. It's like Eastern Shore all over again. There's so few of us. Yeah. So, you know, these companies will bid on it and, and they'll get the projects, we'll all work on it. And you know, depending on how long it takes, you know, like two weeks to do like a road survey or up to a year for you know a couple hundred to a thousand mile pipeline survey or transmission line survey or something like that. It it varies on on the size of the project and, and what's needed to complete it. And we'll go out and we'll do a systematic survey along the whole way, make sure there's no Native American villages, mm -hmm. you know, small hunting sites from you know, six, 7,000 years ago, 
Native American villages from a thousand years ago, uh, historic sites, colonial sites, nothing's in the way that could get damaged or be should be protected. Gotcha. That's why we're there. And so what happens if you run across that? Like what's what's the process after that? So from there, we'll we'll delineate the site. You know, we'll find out how big it is. Like say we come across like, you know, an historic house foundation from the 19th century. You know, we get some like broken bits of, of uh, ceramic sherds, mm -hmm. glass, whatever. And we start doing the survey. We'll make sure it's not within the, the uh, survey corridor where that project's going to go. If it is, then we'll we'll go do like what we call mitigation. Depending on how significant it is, we'll, we'll do further explorations. You know, we'll, we'll report it to our company. We'll write a report on it, and then uh, it could be uh, recommended for a phase two excavation. Because what we do initially is what's called a phase one. That's just the blanket survey. Make right. sure there's nothing there, or if there's something there, if you find something, and it's it might be significant, mm -hmm. worth investigating further. We'll do a phase two. That's where we'll open up the units, the one by one units that you see. You know, like on movies or television shows like time team or something like that where people are digging excavation units down we'll do a small little bit of those explore it see you know check on its significance if it's something even more significant we'll do a phase three to do what we call mitigation mm -hmm. so if construction has to go in there and they can't move it like say they got to put like a you know one of those giant uh metal pylons for a, a transmission line that you see all the, the power lines run along mm -hmm. say it has to go there and this house structure is, is in the way, essentially. We'll do a full-scale phase three excavation. That's what we call data recovery. Gotcha. And just we'll excavate the entire site as we've mapped it in on prior surveys and just get all the artifacts out of there. Yeah. Or or not. If if they can reroute it, they'll reroute it away from it. Gotcha. Okay. And then from there, places can get put on with what we call the National Register of Historic Places, like say, like this is this hypothetical house structure is tied to like George Washington's wife, Martha Cussis's uncle or something like that, mm -hmm. which I've done excavations on, on, you know, that have connections, weird connections like that sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, well, this is connected to a founding father. So this has to be protected type thing. Right. And from there, like they won't do anything with it, but it gets whoever owns that property. They now have a property that's on the national register of historic places. So it's, it's recognized as something significant historically to our country or say it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of Native American burials or something there. We won't touch that. Mm. We'll just note it. We'll say there's a bunch of burials there. You can't go there and <laughs> we're not digging it up. <laughs> like It's like, please don't because this country be going through a lot already and messing with that just seems like a bad idea. That's bad. I've, I've seen it in movies. Yeah. That's some bad juju. <laughs> yeah, I've seen enough movies to know that's that's the number one that you don't do because that's when all the bad stuff happens. And that yeah, that's a, a running joke in archaeology that all of America is built on Native American burial mounds because, well, a lot of those were destroyed to put in you know St. Louis and things like that. You know, all of St. Louis is built on what used to be in a giant Mississippian mound complex. Mm -hmm. You know, so much of their culture was destroyed just to build our own culture on top of it. So. As someone who does, who, you know, you're in archaeology and you're deep into it now, almost 10 years, obviously. Um, when you run across things like that, you kind of learn more history about, like, you know, America and, like, things that it's gone through. Does it kind of, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Does it not skew, like, your, your, you know what they taught us in history class? 
Does it kind of skew that a little bit or you kind of like rethink it or like, you know, that type of situation where you're like, damn, we, this country's kind of not, it's not bad, but it's like, damn, we've done a lot and we kind of like push it down to try to, you know, hide that. You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot of that. I, I wouldn't say that my view would be skewed. I would say that it's recalibrated how I think about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, like what's going on a lot with our culture right now. We're unlearning a lot of things and relearning a lot of things that should have been taught differently in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's why I use the the term recalibrating because it really kind of shows you the true history of of what has occurred Mm -hmm. on this land, on on the land that that we live on now that we call home, what actually happened here. Yeah. And it really makes you wanna just to just grab people and show it to them like mm-hmm. this is the truth this is real history this is in the dirt mm-hmm. and this is how we know it not only is it in the dirt but it's connected to this historical document type thing mm-hmm. which I've, I've done many of many excavations that have that connection to it which is just it's the most eye-opening thing it's it's the most where you know where i was talking about earlier where you learn a whole bunch through college and then you start the job and then you have to relearn everything all over again yeah it's not just relearning your education as an archaeologist going through university, but it's relearning your education going all the way back to elementary school. Mm-hmm. Everything you learned in history class, a lot of it was just glossed over or completely wrong. Yeah. I think, too, um, I think that's the cool thing about what you do is, is that I like the word recalibrate because that's, that's basically what we're all doing now, right? Like, we're just, yeah. you know things that we and, and that's and that's the thing too is like things that we may have thought back in like third grade fifth grade whatever right we're not saying like those things are bad today and that's not to say that they were acceptable back then but it's like no one knew any better you know what i'm saying yeah so that's what we're doing we're all catching up with this type of learning or whatever and the cool thing about what you do is is that you can actually see there's physical evidence of the things that 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 you're learning right like people mm-hmm. like facts, people like hard evidence. Well, that's what you're doing. You're getting that. Like you're getting yeah. that type of information and you can physically touch it. And I think that's the cool part of what you do, man. Absolutely. Yeah, that is, it's it's the realest of the real that you can touch. You know, this is what they were using back then. This is every bit of their everyday life. But, you know, that one little thing could be connected to such a significant property that you can read about it and teach people about it through historical documentation it's just it's that's real power it's there's so much power to learn there and if you harness it correctly if that's what makes it important is harnessing it correctly yeah and telling telling talking about it in the right manner yeah i like that um (laughs) let's 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 get to the let's get to your recent trip man let's 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 dive into that um you're just getting from puerto rico um so I don't know just, i don't know like can you talk about certain stuff i don't know like what's the you know but just try to give me like an over overview of like what you're doing down there um you ever see uh space balls no nah. never saw the mel brooks space balls so there, there's a scene where they got uh it's making fun of star wars mm-hmm. where they have r2 and 3po walking through the desert it's like we've combed the desert we ain't found shit <laughs> we didn't find shit on this recent survey. Uh, 
So there's not much to say archaeologically wise. <laughs> so we were just hacking through, hacking through jungles of 12 foot tall cane grass, you know, stuff well over my five foot forehead. Yeah. So over <laughs> me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be well over your head, man. This stuff is tall. Yeah. And it's hot. It's the Caribbean. So, you know, you just gotta hydrate. Yeah. My my saying in the field is hydrate or dehydrate. So it was just a whole lot of hard work, which I love it. I, I, I love throwing myself at the difficult problems yeah. in any field, anything. Um, but even though we didn't find anything down there, I, I still love it. This is the third time I've been down there, I think. I did a couple of excavations down there 2019, just before the pandemic hit. Um, I got to do a, a, a Taino burial complex. Taino were the people that were inhabited um puerto rico uh dominican republic haiti mm. and cuba i believe and a few of the other islands because it was split you know the taino you had the caribs and the arawaks and a couple of different language groups right where we were is where the taino were and they were the uh the folks that met columbus first um mm. not where we were digging the burial complex that we were digging dated to the 1200s okay um of of the current era so you know 800 years old 800 year old burial complex which was you know absolutely fascinating that's what i had studied in in college yeah. was uh what we call bioarchaeology okay which is the study of um uh burial practices it's the study of uh archaeology what we call archaeological cultures because some of these cultures we don't know a whole lot about them the names we have for them are recent names. All of the things we understand about them are recent. We don't know anything about them historically mm. because, you know, what documentation they might have had hasn't survived. If they did have like pictographic writing or something, it didn't survive because it was in the jungle and it probably was on wood or something. Yeah. So there's not a lot we can say that, you know, and a lot of their culture histories were destroyed by the Spanish over 500 years. So there's not a lot we can say about them. But, uh, Bioarchaeology will help recreate what we can culturally from human remains. We can learn all things about diet, about uh, migrations, about you know just basic uh, societal health based upon what we call a, uh, a burial population you know, from people's cemeteries back then. Mm -hmm. We can learn so much about their physical makeup you know, throughout their lives and about their culture, what they were eating. Just from you know studying their bones, studying their stature, things like that, yeah. and to be able to finally do that in the field, you know, excavate these human remains and study it, it was really eye-opening, but also just totally like another recalibration. It was like a paradigm shift in, in my mind of how to think about the people that I am studying, and you know, it 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 really changed my outlook on my profession of actually having dug up a human being because there was a canal going in like it was like the mitigation I talked about earlier the canal was had to go through there so this burial complex had to get out of the way mm. which you know then in itself carries a lot of weight when you do something like that it's it really does hit you in in the heart you know empathetically and sympathetically mm. it really does um but just being there and and learning from the guy who owned the property things that he's found on his property because you know he's it, it was on a on a banana plantation mm. he'd been living there his whole life i'm not sure how, how long they've had that banana plantation but 
he was fun to talk to with what little bit of Spanish I knew yeah. and what little bit of English he knew. He was able to tell us some stuff of what he's seen. Um, you know, the people I was, I was working under, my our field lead, he had studied Caribbean archaeology. So it's just a boatload to learn from him because I didn't know Caribbean archaeology at all. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always done stuff here in, in the southeast of, of the U.S., you know, uh, colonial stuff. Because Virginia, you know, Virginia's got tons of colonial historical stuff, Civil War stuff. Right. Done all that before, which is great. It's really fun to do. But to, to learn something completely out of your realm, like a Taino burial complex, and it, for, for it to be bioarchaeology, something that you had studied in college. Yeah. And to learn what I learned was just, it, it really was a, a shift mentally, you know, paradigm shift mentally for me that opened up a lot. Well, I think that's cool too. That like, there are a lot of jobs where like I'll, I'll use my for example, uh, where like you go in and you know you learn like early on, like you you pick up things early on, and at some point, depending on if you like if you stay in the same job you are, you hit a ceiling. Like that's your knowledge ceiling, right? Whereas yeah. you, I feel like you have the opportunity to learn different things, like with every job you get, right? Like there's always an opportunity to learn. Like there's never a there's never a cap. You know what I mean? Yep. So I think that's that's really cool. Like you, you're always able to. There's always an opportunity for you. Like damn, I didn't realize this. I can dive into this now. I can look. I can look up stuff here. Like oh, like this is this is. There's always this vast wealth of knowledge that you can continue to gain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that 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 ties in. One of my favorite sayings that I tell people all the time is, "If you're not learning, you're not living." Yeah. And, you know, from project to project, there's something to learn, you know, historically from every single place you you get to go and, and working and visit. And not just historically, but culturally for the people that live there now. Like, I love conversing with with the folks of Puerto Rico, the ones, you know, that are bilingual and I can speak English too, yeah. because I didn't learn Spanish from my mom. <laughs> but uh, everywhere I go, you know, it's just, it's fun to just sit at a bar and just talk to people. Yeah. You're sitting at a restaurant and, you know, ask your, your waiter or waitress or the bartender or whoever. If you go into like a local bookstop, which I love the bookstores in all the places that I go. Yeah. As you can see, I love getting stuff. Yeah. Local bookstores. Because <laughs> there's so much you can learn from just, you know, telling people, hey, I really love your store. I love your, your bar. I love this. And then, boom, you just get talking and talking. Yeah. And you can just learn about daily life, not, not just historical life, when, you know, in the places that I get to travel to. Cause I've seen there's so much of America that I've seen that I just I just love about it, you know, just the travels of the job. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. Yeah, I think it's cool because like you get like a different perspective. I think we get caught up in like our way of living like a lot, and it's just good to get different perspective from different people, different cultures, you know, different areas. You know what I'm saying? Because like there's so much to this world this world is big bro like it's that's the thing this world is really big so like there's so much that we still don't know about other you know other people other ways of living so yeah i i, I like that culture shock is a good thing yeah if, if you're going to someplace new go and go and experience some culture shock i always say that <laughs> like listen if you're gonna go somewhere man dive into the culture man Just go like, in yeah <laughs> go with an open mind like you know it might be it might be weird at first but I, nine times out of ten, you'll at least learn something, and more likely than not, you'll enjoy yourself. You're going to be uncomfortable. You will be uncomfortable at first. You're not going to know what to do. You know, there's, you're going to see some things that people do in other cultures that will just 
it's completely backwards from the way you were brought up here in, in America. And yeah. You're, you're just going to learn. You, you got to learn. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to have to learn it. Yeah. Learn, learn it never stop. Learning should never stop, man. It yeah. should never stop. If you're not learning, you ain't living. That's what I like to hear, man. <laughs> um, so show me some show me some stuff that you love. Show me some some things that you've you've uh, collected over the years. Let's let's get into that. Well, I don't have any artifacts because okay. um, that would be unethical in our business to collect those things. Fair. Because um, in in the states, you know, working here, what we find on the property belongs to the property owner. Mm. So when we do find it, we'll send it to our labs, analyze it. You collect it, analyze it, write a report about it, and then mail it back to them. Gosh, you know. it's theirs. Um, but I mean, I can show you like recent uh, books that I love to pick up. Yeah, sure. On the way, and little little knickknacks and things. Ooh, I'll start with one of my favorite ones. I got this on a recent one on a pipeline we were doing in uh, Iowa. It's in Iowa, South Dakota. It's a big old pipeline. Okay. This is uh, wild sage oh. from the uh, Rosebud Sioux Reservation in, in Rosebud, South Dakota. Okay. So working out that way, being in proximity to a bunch of Native American reservations, we have uh, tribal monitors follow us along. So that way they can identify uh, cultural lands landscapes, things on the on features on the landscapes that they would be able to identify culturally, archaeologically, historically that we as outsiders just wouldn't recognize. Right. And uh, my monitor was this sweet lady named Mary. Mary, uh, her, her Lakota name is I Walk to Help People. That is the name that her her medicine man gave her because she just she's just such a sweet soul. She just talks to people and, and yeah. talking with her was just really eye opening, really really life changing. Mm-hmm. You know, it really helped me out. She she walks to help people. And we're just walking along the landscape in Iowa, just talking. I was asking her questions. Yeah, you know, I'd, I would be respectful and say, "Hey, is it okay if I ask you this question about your culture?" Yeah, and we just spent you know two weeks just talking and, and walking and working. She gifted me a big old thing of, of sage from her reservation. Nice. To take home and to smudge things because Native Americans practice smudging. Okay. Which is where you take a sacred herb like sage and you'll burn a little bit and you'll say a prayer to, to the creator uh, and ask for whatever you need for it, whatever peace you need. Yeah. You'll burn a little bit and, and you know, it'll be like a prayer sent up in smoke to the creator and ask yeah. for, for good things for, you know, peace to come to your house or whatever it is or your, your daily work day yeah so that was a great thing to bring back home which i i'm very very thankful for and it smells great yeah wild sage yeah and uh our other monitor on that project was this guy uh also lakota his name was phil little thunder mm-hmm. he's a, a army vet um i think he served around the time of the vietnam war spring because we were out there in april march mayish kind of we we're there for for months at a time, mm. and it coincided with their New Year's celebration, the the return of Thunder's uh, spring powwow. Okay. So there were a whole bunch of nations, tribal Great Plains tribal nations. There, there was Omaha, there was Lakota, uh, Santee Sioux, um, Winnebago, um, 
a few, a few others that we got to see them do their dances, you know, do their, their power dances, which was really beautiful to watch. Yeah. A whole bunch of vendors selling stuff, uh, which is where I got this. This is made by Winnebago's. Nice. The Winnebago tribe. It's a little parflesh pouch. Just a little, you can just keep things in it. Oh, nice. Your hide. But I have it hanging up for decorative purposes on my wall just because it's so beautiful. Yeah. And uh, Phil Little Thunder gave me this as a gift before I flew home the next day, which oh. is a little, little black, which black is the color of the West in, in Lakota mythology and religion and lore. Little black uh, dream catcher that I love to have. Yeah. Um, also, when I was up there, I, I did another one in, in North Dakota, and I picked up a book on steamboat history because I'm a nerd, and I like historical books. Being a nerd is fun. <laughs> you know, being a nerd is fun. Oh yeah, and <laughs> it's a book about steamboat history. Um, did that. Oh, there's just so much. Um, let's see. Big guy up in North Dakota history is Teddy Roosevelt. So I grabbed a Teddy Roosevelt beer. Nice. Nice little teddy bear. Nice. Always bring the beers home. Got I love, love bringing the cans home on travels. Uh, you know, if I'm on like beaches or something, I'll bring home little fossils. Here's like a little uh, scallop shell from Miami. Nice. So this is probably like within the Holocene. So it's like the last 10,000 years, a little fossil. Um, brought back a volcanic rock from Nevada. Just you know, me being a little rock nerd, being a little science nerd, bringing back yeah. things. Um, fun things like that. Uh, let's see. I love collecting antique books. This is this huge tome. Is a uh, annual it's the 17th annual report from the bureau of american ethnology okay so these were compiled by uh anthropologists archaeologists during the 19th century as a part of uh, government research mm -hmm. if you want to break it down essentially what it is it's uh cultural research of native american cultures before our culture destroyed them during the the indian wars of the latter part of the 19th century so our government wanted to document as much about their culture before it was destroyed. So that's what a lot of these books contain, are interviews, ethnographies, ethnologies, archaeological excavations from, you know, 1880s, 1890s, 1900s. Mm -hmm. So these things, they're important in their own right because of that very nature of their existence. Because they hold a lot of information about, about stuff that we wouldn't otherwise have known. Right even though we were currently genociding those cultures. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it carries a lot of weight. Yeah. And, uh, first of all, it carries a lot of weight in two ways. One, that looks like a heavy ass book. And it's two, book. Because, because yeah, that is, that is an important part of history. I know it's an ugly part of history. Yeah. But it's still an important part of history. We don't want those type of things to go forgotten. You know what I mean? Even it though yeah. it's an ugly way to do it, but yeah. Not only should we understand the cultures that it, it reports on, but we should understand why we did it. Yeah. Why we did it in the first place. I'll fix that. Uh, let's see. 
I collect I collect rocks wherever I go. So I always get a rock from every state I go to. That's what all these are. Rocks, fossils, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, man. My son um loves like that was what like he loves science. Like that's that's his thing. Like he loves like we had to buy him. I think we bought him like at least two now where like he like geodes. Like so I want a geo collection. Like, all right, cool. So we bought him a thing and let him crack them open and do all the little dusting and stuff with it. So he loves that. So I'm going to show him this later and he's going to love it. Oh, yeah. I'd love for eventually y'all to like to get together because he's super smart, bro. Like it's like he'll <laughs> tell me something. I'd be like, yo, dog, I assume you're right. I'm not even going to question you. And I'll look it up later. I'm like, damn, he was right. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, he was right. He knew. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's so cool. Like I, so stuff like this, he'll love. All right. Well, yeah. I got plenty of rocks. I mean, I collect. Uh, so, what's fun about this one? This is a. Uh, so prior to firearms, you know, cultures and prior to metals, cultures use stone tools right. to make their, their their they use stone to make their tools. Yeah. This is a really good uh, stone from Texas called uh, Edwards Plateau Chert. Okay. So Chert is. It, it when you go to flake it, what we call flint napping, it breaks very predictably, so you can make excellent tools out of it. Gotcha. It's very easy to make to make something very sharp and very pointy that's really good for killing a deer with. Yeah. <laughs> so, I I found this in a little uh, arroyo, a little uh, dried up creek bed in Texas. Yeah. And just was looking at it, popped it open really quick, and I said, like, "Ooh, that's a really nice quality chert. I'm taking this home." <laughs> So just a little, a little, you know, gift from, from travels. Like your your son will definitely like that. And if you can get a good shot on this, here's some uh, local fossils. Oh yeah. This is from my neck of the woods, just at, just over in the mountains from here. Some nice little, uh, I think they're Ordovician periods, so like hundreds of millions of years old. Yeah. <laughs> like he like uh, he likes that stuff, man. Like I. Yeah. Ever since, like, I, even when he was, like, three or four, he would co- that he would just pick rocks and be like, Dad, look, I got rocks. And he would bring me rocks. And I would I would just keep them because, like, that, it was interesting to him. And he has a whole rock collection in his, in his like, a little box. It's great. Wedding scientist. I'm telling you. <laughs> why, like, when he, like, because he doesn't play any sports right now. And I'm, yeah. trying, I'm like, hey, Joe, you want to play basketball? I was like, not really. I'm like, okay. But, like, he's really interested <laughs> in that. So when it's time for robotics club or science fairs, I'm gonna be that dad in the bank. Like, yeah, he is busting y'all ass with these this project. Right. <laughs> be on battle bots or something. Yeah, I'm like, let's go for it. I'm with it, man. I'm not mad at it. I'm oh, not that's, that's definitely something to to definitely encourage. Yeah. The love of nature and science and all of it. I love doing it with my nephew and, and my nieces. I every time you know we're out together, I'm always teaching about what plants are what, what rocks, you know, how rocks are formed. Yeah. all that stuff you know just it's nerd knowledge and it's good knowledge <laughs> yeah absolutely man um let me ask you about you know because i was super bummed i couldn't go to the wedding after you know yeah. you after it got uh respected. but um tell me about like just preparing to get married during the pandemic having it go awry and then yeah. getting through that because like i got to meet sarah uh briefly when you came through richmond um right. And what a wonderful, I was like, oh, yes, you're about to make this man amazing. 
And like, <laughs> I was like, yes. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I was like, Tommy, how'd you pull this off, my guy? Um, but yeah. tell, tell me about Sarah and then just tell me about trying to work through the pandemic as far as like getting like married and stuff. She's the best choice that I could have ever made in my life. Uh, we love each other dearly. You know, I do everything I can to be as home as much as possible with as much as I travel just because I love to be home. Yeah. You know, this little home that we've created together is just, it's little our little place of happiness. Yeah. And uh, it was, you know, we were so excited to have 2020 be our year because yeah. that year all the holidays fell on weekends. Yeah. You know, there's a full moon on Halloween we were going to get married on because that was our, our de facto you know dating anniversaries yeah we started dating just before it but like you know we're just gonna call it halloween anyway yeah we went to a haunted house for our first date so halloween's gonna be our day yeah and that didn't happen yeah that got taken away real fast because 2020 (laughs) and it was just so stressful to have have to shelve everything and replant it all over again you know, planning a, a, a wedding once is stressful enough. Planning the same wedding twice was, God, it was a nightmare. Yeah. It was such a nightmare. And, you know, just before, you know, we had some some COVID cases in the in the groom's party, mm. which is what made us just, you know, replant it all over again with a month and a half to go. Right. You know, less than a month and a half. It was like three weeks to go, something like that. Mm. Had to just completely replant it all, like, you know, you can only come if you've started the the uh, the vaccination process, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Because you know we have elderly, we have immunocompromised. Sarah's immunocompromised. Right, and that was that was, when I saw that. I was like, I get that. That's one hundred percent. I would rather her be safe than to. Yeah, I mean, and that's when it when it completely changed to like you know, mostly family and just you know, the friends that are part of the wedding party is mm-hmm. is what we just slimmed it all down to yeah just as basic as we could keep it and and that cut out a lot of friends <laughs> cut out so <laughs> yeah and just our, our our size just went from just this big old you know sarah's big family my big family my big spanish family yeah to just just family just family and just like maybe like what was it a dozen friends i think it, it wasn't a whole lot and, but we still pulled it off. You know, it was successful. We had a great time. Yeah. No COVID cases were traced to it. You know, everybody went home for the next two weeks. Everybody was still very healthy. Good. You know, we, we checked in with everybody. And that 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 was the real the real win was being able to to do it safely. Pull it off safely it was such a difficult time that these last two years have been. Mm-hmm. And to know that that uh you know, friend, the, the, the friends and family just, they saddled right up with us. You know, they made it happen for us along with us. And that's just, it's, it's what keeps you grateful in life is to have such good people around you and, and to know that you can, you can rely on that. That's good. That it's something, it's something to, you know, reliable and lovable is, is what the two key things are. And I was glad, I was glad y'all were able to pull that off, you know. I would, I would have loved to have been there with my guy, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll definitely get up soon. That's very important. Yo! Hey, <laughs> surprise! Yo! <laughs> she just sat down. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. You doing okay? Doing good. Doing good. Getting ready for a trip. 
Nice. <laughs> Sarah's got some work travels to do for the week. I'm not. Hey, listen. Are they paying for it? They are paying for it. Yeah, it's what? It's a great trip. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great trip. You're going to do Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Hotland. Hot yeah, Hotlander. During the summer. Yeah, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doing a trade show. Yeah, she's doing so, a trade show for her work. Mm-hmm. Nice. So specialize in the paint and we're relaunching yeah. our paint product and gonna go down there for four days and showcase everything. There's gonna be some events going on and some wonderful talks. That's gonna Black be dog salvage everybody. That's gonna be fun. <laughs> That's Doing gonna a plug. Time. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the focus is on you. Focus is back on me. Okay. <laughs> so it's good to see you. Always good to see you. <laughs> Just a quick high <laughs> Yeah, man, I like that. Um, all right, let me get you out on on these few, you know, some rapid, quick questions, man. I like to I like to ask this of the guests, some fun stuff. Um, okay. So give me your Mount Rushmore of Philly athletes. Oh. Oh man, how many are on Mount Rushmore? Four. Four, so my four. Well, definitely Nick Foles, he got us the Super Bowl. Fair. Uh, I grew up the biggest Donovan McNabb fan, got a couple of jerseys in there. I'm done now. I 1,000% remember that for a fact. <laughs> right <laughs> alongside Nick Foles' Super Bowl jersey that my brother got me. So there's two. Um, I'm going to go with uh, my favorite flyer always has been uh, old left winger from what we call the Legion of Doom was John LeClaire. Just a okay. Guy was rough and tough hockey player. Yeah. You know, he he had some excellent seasons in Philadelphia. Yeah. Always fun. There's three. Ooh. Oh. All right, he'll be last. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now it's oh shoot. You know what? I'm gonna take John LeClaire off and I'm oh she wants me to put gritty. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So if there's got to be a flyer to represent, he's like the most representative flyer because he represents not only the team but the fan base. Because yeah, he's as terrible as the fan base is. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's do that. Let's do gritty. Okay. Gritty represents all of the flyers. Yeah. Past, present, future. <laughs> um. Okay, so that'll be three. Ooh, now for the Phillies. God, there's so many good Phillies over the years. Ooh, that's tough. That's really, really tough. That group of Phillies was tough. Like with with Jimmy, Chase, Ryan Howard. A lot of lot of good guys there. My uh my cousin actually got to pitch against Ryan Howard in high school. Yeah. He's from he's from around Columbia, Missouri. So he how'd got that, to how'd that go for him? Probably not well. <laughs> <laughs> that dude can he can hit some dingers, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I always did. You know what? I got to give it. I got to give Ryan Howard 
my uh, my Phillies Mount Rushmore because oh. uh, he did so much for the franchise and so much for his career there. Yeah. But one of the most heartbreaking things I ever saw in sports history was when uh, it was the Phillies Yankees World Series from 2010. I think the Phillies went down in six games mm-hmm. and he was the last at bat in game six. They were down by, you know, he could have tied the game or won it. I think we had like a runner on second or third. He was at the plate. If he brought the guy in, it would have tied it. If he had hit a home run, it would have won it. Mm. He swung so hard wanting that hit. He struck out on it, missed it. But he swung so hard, he wanted it so bad. He popped his Achilles. Oh, my God. On the last play of the season of the World Series, ruptured his Achilles. He swung so damn hard. Oh, my God. Because he wanted it so bad. It that was heartbreaking. That <laughs> was so heartbreaking. I mean, just hearing that, like I I popped mine what now? That's two years ago, two or three years ago now, three years ago now. So anytime I hear about ruptured Achilles, I'm like, oh, it just brings back that memory. <laughs> That's bad. It's painful. Yeah, no, it's it's not great. It's it's not. Um, yeah. Um, tell me about I I just thought about that. Philly is called the the city of brotherly love. Yeah. I feel like I see more fights in Philly at Philly, Philadelphia football games and all types of sports more than any other place in the in the world in the in the country, man. Mm-hmm. Is the city of brotherly love just an ironic name, or like what is the what is the true meaning of city of brotherly love? I don't even know if it has a meaning anymore. They they do <laughs> bat shit crazy stuff up there, man. They are some bat shit crazy people. I mean, you're supposed to, to, you know, love your brother, take care of your brother, whatnot. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they do not. I don't know where they lost it or if they ever had it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they had it in different neighborhoods back in the 60s and 70s, but yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, they're passionate. I, I will it's get passionate. They're a passionate group of fans, and I, I, and I love that. Like when things are not great, they will turn. They will so turn. They will stab them, stab their brother in the back. <laughs> they had the opportunity. <laughs> oh God. Um. Damn. Okay. What is your? What has been your favorite place to do archaeology work so far? Ooh, favorite place to do archaeology. I love doing mountain survey. Yeah. You know, I live in the mountains now. I live in the Blue Ridge. I've always loved doing mountain survey just just because I love hiking. You know, it's it's good hard work. Doesn't matter what time of year it is, it's beautiful in the winter, it's beautiful in the fall, in the summer, the spring. Yeah. It's just gorgeous work. Um I I fell in love with the desert. So that's right up there. You know, the southwest is oh that place stays in your heart. It stays there. The whole every bit of it, the smells. The, just it's so different the sites i if i ever ever need to disappear somewhere you know world hits hits the fan or something like that i'm going to the desert yeah. <laughs> you know things turn for the worse economy wise world wise you know war wise or something i'm going to the desert and i'm just yeah. going to be a happy man off of my lonesome <laughs> <laughs> but i love appalachia too i love i love my mountains you know, I could always just find a nice place to hide there, too, if something goes south. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, 
play some places some landscapes just speak to you in different ways you know it's i don't know it's something something spiritual about the landscape i don't know what it is it's it just it grabs you and some places just hold on to you you know they hold your heart yeah it's hard to describe it yeah. i don't know what which one would be it, it, that's a toss-up between the desert and that and, and the mountains that's hard to choose let me ask you this question if there's a zombie apocalypse which would you rather be in in the dead in the desert or in the mountains which mm. seems like a better place to be in a zombie apocalypse i feel like that's how i like the base things off of wherever the people aren't because that's the food source that's true <laughs> um, it's like the people. zombies climb if the zombies can climb and it's like mountains don't seem like the best place I yeah. feel like there, there shouldn't be zombies in the desert yeah so, they've, they've turned to jerky real quick so maybe maybe the desert maybe a whole bunch of mummies pretty quick yeah that's, that's what i'm thinking and that's a whole new horror movie yeah now you got you know zombie mummies and stuff <laughs> somebody's got to write that might as well be me <laughs> um okay i like to do the deserted island question for people it's just it's a it's a gambit of things on a desert you're on a deserted island okay and so i need you to have one movie one tv series one book one meal and then one what oh and one album album okay yeah all right Let's go in order. What was the first one? All right, so one movie. One movie. Ooh. I want to enjoy the time, so I want to... I'll have plenty of time to think, so I don't need a psychological thriller. I'll go with a comedy. I'm going to go with, like, a Wes Anderson movie. Okay. Like, Life Aquatic or Royal Tenenbaums or something like that. Okay. Wes Anderson. Okay. Uh, Okay, one TV series. One TV series. Ooh. That would have to be something interesting. Nothing too nostalgic for home. Nothing too nostalgic for society that gets me wishing I was off this island. Right. Something to make me think about going somewhere else. So, uh, Star Trek. Okay. Any you know Star Trek? One? New Generation? Yeah. New generation. Oh shoot! I did. I did love Next Generation growing up. That was my favorite. Yeah, I'll go with that one. Fair. Um, okay, so then we'll do one book. That's easy. That's Lord of the Rings. That's fair. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> at all. I'm, I'm not. I'm not mad at it at all. Um, okay. Now one meal. So we give you an appetizer. Mm. Um, a main course and a dessert and a drink if you like okay all right so appetizer 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 chicken wings not mad at that buffalo <laughs> definitely buffalo with a big old bucket of blue cheese okay your blue cheese guy over ranch that's the only way to go man oh gotta go ranch i don't mind blue cheese i'll say that i don't mind blue cheese but i prefer ranch only two people you order ranch, children and southerners. Well, I'm southerner. So. <laughs> <laughs> Blue cheese is, is the original, man. Yeah. Gotta keep it with the original oh, recipe. Yeah, I remember. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
I actually had a guy get really mad at me when I say that to him one time at the bar. <laughs> he got real mad. He was not happy about that. Nope. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the fact that I called him a child or a southerner or both. <laughs> He'll be okay. He's probably he's probably just eating his, his his ranch right now. He's good. Oh yeah, he would drink ranch. He's good. <laughs> All right, so main course, main course. Hmm. Mm. Well, I'm on the island. I'm grilling it. So whatever the sea provides, man, fish, lobster, crab, whatever's there. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. It's going to be a seafood buffet. <laughs> right? Yeah. We're about to have a smorgasbord. Yeah. <laughs> smorgasbord of dessert. Um, so how about dessert? Dessert. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to continue with the, the sea provides, you know. Okay. There's things that it provides. So hopefully there's going to be some coconuts or something. Okay. Maybe I can do like some evaporative ice and get some like coconut ice cream or something. Okay. Nice. <laughs> super creative with your stuff. <laughs> the world, you know, it, it provides, man. It does. The world provides for you. There's stuff to be had. If you listen to it, she will give you what you need, man. I'm not, I don't know where I'm going to get those chicken wings from, but hey, you know, maybe just snap your fingers and they're there. We're not worried about that. Uh, We're not worried about it. <laughs> any drink in particular? What drink would you choose? Do you like this rum? This is a great choice. I'm not upset at that at all. It is island time. It's the there island time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then one album. Ooh. This one's always a tough one, I feel like, for people. Because, like, different genres, different, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you like a bunch of different genres, that's really tough. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot to choose from. Let me look at my CDs. Oh, you like me. You like to keep the physical pop or the physical stuff too, right? Oh yeah, I love having my CDs. I got I got all my CDs from throughout my life. I got, you know, vinyls, records that I've collected over the years. I love collecting that. You know, it's 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 the tangible aspect of it. You know, I it's love, like having a good book. I love having physical stuff because you just never know when things take a like, may take a left turn. At least you'll have some of your favorites on hand. Hard copy, man. <laughs> it's the hard copy. That's what I'm saying. Oh, so which one of these hard copies? I had a few pop in my head. I'm trying to remember what you used to like in high school, in like in school. All kinds of stuff, dude. Yeah. I listened to it all. Um. Ooh. I'm gonna go with that's a pretty different one. I'm gonna go with Queens of the Stone Age. Okay. This album just it's always hit good. Yeah. It always puts me in a happy place. There we go. Cause I feel like music is a very mood mood thing. Yeah. I had a couple others, but you know, I was gonna choose Towns Van Zant. You know, he's an excellent uh you know, blues folk. Yeah. Uh very good, very good songwriter. 
but very depressing songs. And I don't want to be depressed on an island for eternity. Don't think that's a great idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with something that, that, that perks me up when I'm trying yeah. to spear a fish or something. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not mad at that at all. I'm going Tom Hanks on an island. Just without the uh, without the volleyball. Yeah, no volleyball. Yeah, no. no volleyball. No volleyball. No Wilson. Treacherous bastard. He left him all alone. Sicko. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, man. So here at Coolest Vino, you know, we like to rate our drinks to let the people know if they should get it or not. So we rate it out of one out of five glasses. One being the worst, five, one being the worst and saying don't get this ever in your life. Five being, let's go ahead and grab that immediately. So, what would you give? And I'm gonna see Rondell Barrelito. You can roll the R. I can't roll my. I didn't inherit that. I can't either. <laughs> I can't do I that. Can't do that. <laughs> Rondell um, yeah. What would you, what would you get? This one out of five glasses. Oh, that's. I would drink five glasses of this. Yeah. I would. Listen, I don't get five glasses out like easily. <laughs> This is really good, bro. There's a reason why I flew back with four bottles of it. This is this is really good, bro. This is <laughs> it's so smooth. Like it's it's a like a good like American sipping whiskey. This is a really good Caribbean sipping rum. Like you just sit on your back porch. You know, you got like a nice cigar. You got you can even chase it with a beer if you want to. You know, if you want to just go that route. You can do what we did down in Puerto Rico and have a nice bowl with it. You know, pack yourself a fat bowl. Yeah. It, it's just so relaxing, man. It's, it's delicious. Insane. This might be the best rum I've had ever. Oh, glad to provide. This, <laughs> might be, this really might be the best rum I've had ever. This is really good. Because we used to drink a lot of rum in, in, in college. But, you know, it's college, bro. So, like, we're trying to cut corners. Yep. So like we're drinking like Sir Francis Drake. That's at the bottom of the shelf. You know what I'm saying? We're trying more for quantity over quality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is really good, man. That's the the tres estrellas, three stars. That's it's, what they call it. I'd give it two more stars if I could. I would do. <laughs> I love it, man. Yeah. No. Every restaurant I ever went to, I'd always ask for this. You know, I'd say on the rocks, and I'm like not not like rocks full of rocks i want just like one one cube please yeah that's all that's all you need that's all you need this is really good mm-hmm. um enjoy it my friend this this has been amazing man this <laughs> is this is um this has been dope i again like you're one of my my oldest friends obviously because we like third grade i again i can't tell you how but i just know it was a connection immediately. It clicked. Yeah. <laughs> like it was just like just like that, you know. Um it's sitting next to each other on the bus, man. Just that's yeah. all it took. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 good to connect with you again, man. And and you know, I I like the my thing now is as I get older, I'm like, listen, tell people that you care about them because life is short. Pandemic showed me that. Um, so I want to tell you, bro, that I appreciate you and I love you. You are my guy. Um <laughs> never switched up on me even with the time that we you know even like you know never seen each other like like in person whatever but like the feelings never change in between that time so i just want to tell you that i do love you bro and i'm proud of you man all right entirely man i feel the same way i reciprocate that 
Yeah. I've always appreciated our friendship. Always appreciated, you know, just the way we can just get right into a conversation. Not even just talking about, you know, things we've always talked about. Like, we always discuss cartoons and stuff or discuss, yeah. you know, whatever whatever game we're into at the time or whatever sport we're into at the time. So right into right now, we're talking about, you know, like families, starting our families, and, you know, having having friends from all over or just you know seeing life from all over it's, it's i've always appreciated that that uh that touch that we have on our friendship yeah man so i i, I definitely reciprocate that feeling <laughs> absolutely also this style this new style is amazing with the hat <laughs> with the glasses the full beard the nice hair you look like you were mad shape I, this is amazing <laughs> by the way <laughs> Just it's 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 the Puerto Rican sun. I got my nice Colombian tan going on. Yeah. Thanks to my mom. Thanks for the tan, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's just living life in general. Just enjoying every little bit, every little every little chance that every day provides. You know, you just gotta kind of take all of it with a smile and just keep on walking through it. Yeah, man. Uh, this is the part where I let the guests, you know, if they want to throw out any type of social stuff, any type of. Um, closing remarks for the people just something to, to leave them some words to leave them with the floor is yours man you got it hmm. closing remarks just keep on keep on living keep on enjoying what you're doing if you know whoever's listening to this whoever's watching this little video um enjoy some good libations along the way yeah everything in moderation nothing in excess as uh my old history professor from community college used to say so enjoy it but don't enjoy it too much. Um, find the things in life that make you happy. You know, happiness is a decision, and go for, go for those decisions. Make that make that your life. Yeah. Um, always keep in touch with with the old friends, because that's that's where your your true heart lies. Is you know that's where the roots of the heart lie. Yeah. You know, your true heart can go elsewhere, but your roots lie there. Um, and always seek out new friends. Yeah. New friends are good for the are good for the soul. Old friends keep the soul anchored. Yeah. Um, and just get out there and see the world. Learn from the world. Yeah. The world the world has has so much to teach us. And if you're not gonna not gonna learn from it, you're not gonna live in it. Yeah. I like that. I, that's that's good stuff to learn to live by, man. I like that. Um, be sure to follow the clues, you know, podcast page on Instagram. Uh, be sure to give us a five-star rating on your favorite streaming platform. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel where you can see all the fun stuff that Tommy showed us. And you can see us, you know, you know, reuniting as Tree and Stump, the greatest cartoon that never worked. <laughs> um, but importantly, man, don't forget to drink up. Salud, my brother. Salud, amigo. <laughs> Next time we'll have to do a little bottle of gin. Now gin is dangerous for me. <laughs> I'll do it because it's you, but I, it's very dangerous to me. That's a good one. That's a really good gin. <laughs> I got the juice. Don't need no proof. A honey like the rum I drink that got me over you. And all your nonsense we all subject to. I find my lane and mind my business like I'm supposed to do. Let's have a toast for all the obstacles they gotta sit. I put my glass up in the air to stimulate it, chiz. Not because we made it, but because we making it. I 
savor the moment, the bouquet forever, everything. Yeah. In my realm, I watch the times go by. I got the world in my hands, but I can't tame the sky. There I try.